0: As I said um, earlier on, Caitlin Walker was uh, engaged um, thank, um, with great thanks um, from me and the church um, by the, through the generosity of some parishioners to do a summer research project. And in that research project, Caitlin um, interviewed numbers of past and present um, parishioners and as some past and present projects. And the result of that fantastic piece of um, work this is this booklet, which we will all get a copy of Caitlin spoke at our 8 o'clock service, um, and I shared with you that I probably did, I might keep my mask on this time, um, because I was sitting over there, and what Caitlin's observations to us, as well as being um, talma for what she has recorded, today is told to us because of your observations, Caitlin. Because you observe um, with new ice, ice that came and um, got to know us as part of the process and so what you see is a um, an unskilled view of who we are and that is um, of tremendous value to us so Caitlin thank you so much for the work you have done and thank you for coming to speak with us today Thank you very much Stephen, Um,
1: as you student at Victoria University of Wellington, last summer I had the absolute privilege of being selected for a summer research scholarship which entailed creating an oral history of St Peter's from 1950s onwards. Although as many of you know the site on which this church stands was purchased in 1844 and the present church has been here since 1879, there has never been a full history of the church. This project was by no means a remedy to this problem, but instead was intended as part of a much greater solution. For my project, I interviewed 18 past and present members of the parish. I can see some of them today, and I am exceptionally grateful for the stories and wisdom each of them shared with me. While every interview was different, Throughout my interview process, one of the questions I asked every participant was, Why did you come here? And why have you stayed? Today, I would like to start my presentation by talking about some of their answers, and also asking all members of the parish the same thing. Many of you would have had to drive past churches closer to you, or bigger churches, perhaps more modern, or with other people you know, to get here today. So why St Peter's? Why does this place matter? I have to tell you, I was nervous about this project for many reasons. Being entrusted with people's personal histories was a burden I did not take lightly. The fact that St Peter's had never had a written history also made my work seem even more intimidating. Moreover, I was concerned that I would not be welcome here. Growing up in Wellington, I was, of course, aware of St Peter's. I have probably walked past this church almost every week of my life. I also found out early on that my granddad's parents got married here. However, I am an outsider to the church, and so I didn't know what my reception would be. But I shouldn't have worried. What I learned very quickly is something that all of you present today already know. St Peter's is a place that welcomes everyone. One of the the most prominent symbols of this hospitality is the open door, which allows every person to come in off the street and into the church. I heard about times when the verger of the day would come into church in the morning and find people asleep in the pew. I also heard about how someone walked off with the wooden angels and a parishioner found them not too long later in a second-hand shop. <laughs> but these difficulties were seen as part and parcel of carrying out the Church's missions. This openness was encapsulated by the Church as a whole, but also by every parishioner. I heard countless stories of hospitality over the years, such as the Renaissance Christmas Eve at the Vicarage, and the many parties hosted by the choir. This ethos extends to the present day, as I was welcomed into every home with cups of tea and open hearts. Today, I am very blessed to have had some of my loved ones come along to support me, and felt very fortunate to be able to tell them that I know for a fact they will be welcome here. This hospitality is one of the reasons I had for why people came and then stayed here. This hospitality was also seen in the stories I heard about the inner-city ministry. ICM, or now DCM, was founded in 1969 by a group of Wellington churches. The Vicar of St. Peter's of the Day, Reverend Godfrey Wilson, was in many ways the spearhead of the ministry, and his assistant, curate Bob Scott, became director of ICM. ICM established many social justice and outreach programs, such as teaching English to refugees. A a similar program run by St Peter's was the Catacombs, a drop-in evening coffee bar in St Peter's Hall. Many of the parishioners I spoke to volunteered at the Catacombs back in the day and have fantastic stories about their experience of hands-on ministry. Another project I heard about was St Peter's Pantry, the first food bank in Wellington, and possibly New Zealand, which was founded by Janet Brown while a parishioner at St Peter's. This is all typical of the church, and led into another finding about why people stayed here, about St Peter's social justice. St Peter's has been part of many movements through the years, I heard about services that had to end bang on time so that parishioners could join in marches from Civic Square up to Parliament. I spoke earlier about how the open door brings people in, but a door goes both ways, and this outlook also took parishioners out into the world. The impact that this ethos had on parishioners shows in what they did afterwards. For example, I had the pleasure of speaking to Peter Jamison, who was the first female bishop in New Zealand, and began her journey to ordination while a parishioner here. She told me that St Peter's was inspirational and touched all sorts of nerves in her. St Peter's has created change, not only through the church as a whole, but also by inspiring those who come here to create change themselves. In the words of Janet Brown, The Church didn't just think it was there to keep people sitting quietly in their pews. It was there to set them on fire and make them do things. I am particularly grateful to those who felt safe enough to share with me some of the more difficult periods of St Peter's history. There have always been strong-willed people here. I heard about an anonymous parishioner who describes St. Peter's as a place full of struffy women. This has historically been a strength of the church, as it, is what has had it, as it is what enables it to have the impact on the legal, political, and commercial spheres that it has had. However, with many opinionated people, there were times when the differences became difficult. What struck me more than anything was the resilience of the Church in coming through these periods. Even with the divisions, St Peter's has remained a beacon for Wellington. On this note, it would be remiss to not mention some of the sermons I heard about. St Peter's has been fortunate to have had many revolutionary vicars, who combined their theology with a keen interest in the world outside them. And this came through in the stories from parishioners. It was very special that every interviewee I spoke to had a different sermon that stuck with them. It wasn't like there was one particular year where St. Peter's was particularly vehement in their preaching. There was never a divide between the political and the religious year. Topics included the naval frigates, the Arrow Valley developments, the hospital board election, the nuclear-free and anti-apartheid movements, and so on. One particular sermon that stuck with me was Reverend Woodson's famous 1967 sermon on homosexual law reform. Some of you present, I imagine, were lucky enough to hear it spoken again on its 50th anniversary. In fact, the entirety of the original sermon is available. Story about this sermon, which again, many of you will have heard. Apparently, the script delivered to the radio station prior to the broadcast was on a different theme, with the real script delivered just a few minutes before the broadcast aired, out of concerns that the address might be cut off. How incredible is that? Apparently, the scanner went right to the Minister of Broadcasting, but it was too late, it was on air. The sermon is about a hypothetical homosexual man who had been placed in prison and then evicted for being gay. I can't do the original justice, but I would like to share a small quote from that sermon with you today. Reverend Wilson said, It's the idea that homosexual activity is sinful, simply and solely because it's homosexual. The idea that there are rigid black and white distinctions that I want to reject. A person can't help being born left-handed, or with a black, brown, yellow or white skin. Nor can he help it if he grows up with a different kind of sexual personality. It's not a sin to be left-handed, or to have a different coloured skin. So why is homosexuality a sin? This would have been revolutionary had it been delivered last week, and not 55 years ago. There is something so special about the fact that St. Peter's was a leader of this reform back in the 1960s and still is today. St. Peter's is one of only three rainbow affirming churches in Wellington. This church that has been here for so long is doing what churches established more recently have not yet been able to do. I also heard about the parish submitting to Parliament's Select Committee in favour of abolishing conversion therapy to balance out the hateful words spoken by others in the name of the Church. In the words of Brother Graham Wells, The things that are happening in there now, they are reflecting what we were doing 50 years ago. If this is what people came for originally, it is no surprise that they have stayed. And then how could we not talk about this building? Something that surprised me during my interview process was the deep emotion many parishioners felt for this building. While part of what makes St. Peter's is, of course, the people, the place itself is more meaningful than I realised. The old wood is historically meaningful and is also extremely evocative. You can feel the layers of faith in this place. The extent to which St. Peter's the building reflects St. Peter's history was summed up stunningly by Jackie Randerson. She said, it is beautiful, but it's made more beautiful because of all the meaningful actions and things that have happened. I also got to hear about some of the quirks of the building, for which I am grateful to Stephen Jenkins. One of my favourite stories is about the floor beneath your feet today between the pews with indentations in the wood back against the pew from when stoletos were in fashion and at the front from when it was all about hobnailed boots. This shows the importance of having these old buildings. They are physical manifestations of the history. We can see how this place reminds us of the past and connects us with those who have gone before. In short, There was no one reason why people had come to this church and stayed here. The myriad of reasons blew me away and gave me plenty of food for thought. After I had finished my interviews, typed them out and made my notes, it was time for me to put my findings together. In order to do this, I couldn't ask myself why I had come or stayed at St Peter's, because I hadn't had that experience. Instead, the biggest question I had for myself was, in the context of St. Peter's, what does it mean to be the church in a changing city? Again, I invite the parish today to ask this of themselves. Of course, the first part of this question is to ask what it means to be the church. Is it the people or the place? Why does this building matter? This is particularly challenging to answer, in a time of Zoom, church and online communities. Does the place even matter anymore? This question has been discussed by many people much smarter than I am, and I am sure some of you have much better answers than I do. But as trivial as this sounds, I kept thinking about my granddad teaching me the nursery line, which many of you know. Here is the church, here is the steeple open the doors and hear the people, St. Peter's is both the people and the building that holds them. There is nothing coincidental about the fact that St. Peter's has been a hub for so many movements and for a particular type of Anglicanism over the years. We can firstly speak to the location. As a truly inner-city church, there is immediate connection to what is going on in the political and business sector. As for the building, it was harder to put my finger on why this place in particular matters. But I witnessed how talking about this building brought people to tears. The layers of faith and history held in these four walls are a power that should not be undermined. In more concrete terms, having one building here for so long with a continuous revolutionary streak, has been part of why people know to come here. St Peter's has continuously brought together like-minded people who care deeply about the world outside. Vickers came to St Peter's because they knew about its reputation. As part of my project, I had the interview of, privilege of interviewing three past Vickers of St Peter's, all of whom had heard about and were attracted by St Peter's outward-looking theology. I also read letters that the bishops of the day had sent to these vicars telling them about the appointment, not always in the most favourable terms. (laughs) I can tell you all, nobody was unaware of St Peter's reputation, and deservedly so. And then, because over three months of interviews I hadn't asked enough questions, I began to consider what it meant to be St Peter's in a changing Wellington belief right benefits from having a stable and sacred hub of activism in the centre of the city. When I say stable, I of course don't mean that St Peter's hasn't adapted with the times. One example of this is the increased focus on how to be a church of Tiago as well as for Wellington. The causes fought by the church have also changed over time. We can see groups such as the Restore and living wage as the modern manifestation of what has been seen time and time again in St. Peter's history practical and urban Christianity. St. Peter's has changed as the city has changed, and we must hope that this will continue. With many churches closing and Christianity declining in numbers, you can't deny that St. Peter's is in a precarious position. Maybe I'm being optimistic because I can't imagine the city I love the most without St. Peter's. But I believe the church is well set up to continue to adapt. Each new vicar, parish, and social context helps St. Peter's continue to evolve. This was noted by many of the interviewees who spoke to the different feel of the church with each different vicar and the different causes that were fought over time. However, what is stable about St. Peter's is the place and the ethos. In 2022, the elephant in the room is of course the continuing pandemic. There is an increasing divide between rich and poor, and there are more and more people living in the urban area surrounding the church. This leads to a shifting demographic and changing needs to be met. In the end, in an unstable time, Wellington needs a stable St. Peter's. The relevance of this project came not only in learning more about the Church's past, but also in ensuring the city is aware of why it should remain. I've asked you all a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to today, and it's probably only fair if I answer one myself. So what did I learn? In this process, I like to listen to my elders. I was blown away by the breadth and depth of experience every single one of the interviewees shared with me. I learned how appearances are deceiving. Not only did some of the people who I spoke to surprise me with their stories, but this place itself surprised me. For a church that has been here for so long, St. Peter's is truly cutting-edge. I learned about the importance of old buildings, how crucial it is to have these places of stability in a changing environment. And more than anything, I learned about how special St. Peter's is. I challenge those of you who come here regularly to think for yourself about the questions I grappled with throughout my project you come here initially? And why have you stayed? What does it mean to be the church in a changing city? I can tell you now there was nothing consistent about the answers the interviewees and myself came up with for these questions. But that in itself was an answer. St. Peter's has always meant different things to different people, and that is part of why it is so special. It encompasses difference adapts to change, and welcomes all. My loved ones are probably very glad that they're not going to keep hearing me ramble on about all the interesting things I learned, but I will miss this project. With all the stories i heard, it seems more bizarre than ever that there has never been a published history of the church. I feel very lucky to have played a small role in the eventual result, and have cherished the time spent here. When I say that I spent my summer in the Alexander Turnbull Library, in parishioners' houses, and at university frantically typing out transcripts, I hope it doesn't sound sarcastic when I say it was a summer I'll always remember. Thank you to each of the interviewees for sharing your stories, to Jeff, Richard, and Richard for the eight hours of your time, and to the church for allowing me to share some of my thoughts with you all today. Thank you.
0: We will, um, I'll thank you more forcefully later on, but and I will get you back up when we sing our offertory hymn and we will pass out the booklets um, at that point. So now um, let us pray for the church and for the world, for giving thanks for God's love.